Hey guys, this is Jeremy and welcome to the Everyman Livestream. Now, if you joined us for parts one and two, you've seen great clarity about what it means to have a simple and effective relationship with God. One that satisfies God and you, his son. Now, we've also learned that pleasing God is an inner thing, delighting in, trusting in, and listening willingly to him. Now, we please God with our heart. In part three of our series, Live to Please, men's expert and pastor Kenny Luck is going to reveal the next area that fires God up in his relationship with you, when you please him with your character. Now, another way to say it is, God is pleased when we stop acting like boys and start acting like men. Now, as we'll see, not only is God looking for a more mature you, so are the people around you. Now, before we dive into today's study, take a moment and share this powerful session with your friends. Now, let's go live to Crossland Church in Laguna Hills, California, and join Pastor Kenny for part three of Live to Please. Hey, good morning, guys. If you have a Bible, you want to open it to Ephesians chapter four. We're in part three of a series called Living to Please. How many of you are like me that, you know, in the battle of simple versus complicated, you vote simple? Okay, amen. All right, everybody out there, I'm sure, is like, amen, right? Simple wins. And uh, nowhere is that more needed than in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to keep it simple. Guys like to keep it simple. And that's what this series is all about. All right? It's about living to please God because that keeps it simple. My brother and I, we talk on the phone regularly uh, during the week. And we close the call the same way. It's like we go through all the things. How's your family? How's this? How's that? How's that? And then he always says, live to please him, Kenny. And I say, live to please him, Chris. And it keeps it simple, doesn't it? Wherever I am, whoever I'm with, whatever I want to say, whatever I shouldn't say, my relationships, my family, my work, right? My service for the Lord, my battles with temptation. The headline is, live to please him. And so we're keeping it simple here. And in part three, uh, we're going to expand on the conversation. Let's review, though. In part one, we just talked about how the model is Jesus. Jesus said, the one, uh, the one who sent me is with me. He has not abandoned me, for I always do what pleases him. Let's say that last part. For I always do what pleases him. So we're making a, a, a connection. Jesus lived to please the Father. Always. So that meant in every situation, in every interaction, and on every day. He always lived to please God. At some point in your life, if you're a Christian, you give yourself to the person and work of Christ. You trust in his person. You trust in his work. The spirit of Jesus Christ comes into your life. So this is the spirit of Christ himself. This is the spirit put into me as a follower because I trusted in his person and his work. He's my Lord and he's my Savior. And his spirit comes into me, which means that I will have an increased desire to please God. And that's what we're all kind of striving for. We're all in this kind of bucket going, all right, how do I please God even more? How do I please God more? How do I please God more? So that was, that was part one. And Jesus is the model. And we looked at his life. We're like, okay, let's look at his life. How did he think? How did he act? How did he make choices? That pleased God. And then there's our picture of imitation that we can pursue. In part two, we talked about how growing spiritually pleases God. Now, in part three, 
we're going to look at the next aspect, which really pleases God. And to start that off, I just want to tell a little story uh, of father and son. All right, it could be father and daughter, father and son. It doesn't have to be a son, but I'll tell a story about father and son. So my son, you dads out there know this, that sons, when they, they kind of have an object that they really want, they start talking about it, all right? It's like, so, hey, dad, did you know that, that Benji has a razor? Hey, dad, did you know that Luke has a razor? Hey, dad, did you know? And they start, like, comparing their stuff because their friends have stuff that they want. Right, dads? It's just like, hey, th- this is what's happening out there in, in boy baboon culture, you know, and, and they're, they're getting stuff, and they see stuff, and they like stuff, and they want stuff. So my son starts, like, like drip marketing me, right, of, hey, you know, this person has this. And so I can tell, you know, that he wants this thing called a razor. And, uh, but I'm like, hey, you know, at the right time, and, you know, just wait, you know, God will provide, that's me. Uh, so he's, he's living his life, and he comes home from school one day, and uh, he tells me this story. He said, Dad, I won a prize at school. I'm like, oh, well, what was it? Well, we had this spelling contest and so forth, and, you know, I won this prize. And, and he said, but I noticed that, you know, one of the kids in class, he was really sad, you know. He got close, but he didn't win. And, uh, and so I gave my prize to him, and inside I'm, like, doing cartwheels. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is great. Right? He has no idea the blessing that is coming his way. Right? And so um, the next day he comes home and uh, I said, hey, dude, you, you need to get upstairs. You need to take a look at that room of yours and clean it up. And he's like, oh, okay. And he walks upstairs and there from Big Five on his bed in all of its chrome glory is a razor. You know, and, and I, I share that story because as a dad, what you're looking for is some personal maturity. Right, dads? Personal maturity pleases God, right? And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how sons gr- when sons grow up, all right, the father just gets so delighted and excited. Now, let's look at your outline. Let's look at the scripture. And let's just kind of see Jesus and kind of get the heart of the Father. And then we're going to talk about how the maturity process pleases God. All right, let's read Luke 2, 52 together. Ready? And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. See, maturity is an awesome thing. Not only does it please God, but there are people in your life that need you mature. All right? You grow in favor with God, and you grow in favor with man. And, uh, and then now let's, le- let's read Matthew 17, 5. Ready? While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so Jesus is getting the highest recommendation possible. It's like, you can trust this guy. This guy's solid. All right? And it's my son. All right, and now, as a father of a son, I get that. I get that. As a father of any child, you want them to grow in wisdom. You want them to grow not just in stature, but in wisdom, um, and that delights you. And then you see, actually, in the Gospels, this is at the Transfiguration, in front of others, uh, the father says, I'm well pleased with him, and then says, listen to him. 
gives him a recommendation. So what do we learn? Write this down. Because I am a son, all right, we're making that connection. Write this down. God is watching my life, number one. He's watching my life. He's looking to see if, if I'm growing up, too, on the inside. Secondly, he is tracking my maturity. Fathers track the maturity of their sons. And then third, God is growing my influence. As God is watching and God is tracking, he's going, you know what? I can trust him with more. I can bless him more. You know? A good father doesn't spoil his kid and give a lot to an immature son because then he'll just become selfish. Some of us, I've been in that process where it's like, man, I really would like to have this kind of influence. I would really like to grow in that way. I would like to get that promotion. I would like to, you know, advance, right? But God knows my character. And why would God trust me with more when I'm growing less on the inside? And so that's kind of the spirit of what is tracking here. It's like with my son. I was watching. I was tracking, right? And I was wanting to grow his blessing and his influence. Now, the Bible says that it's my job to build you up in Christ. And the Bible also tells us exactly what the purpose of what we're doing here is. We're building ourselves up in Christ. And the Bible in Ephesians chapter 4, our core passage for this time, tells us exactly what's going on here. All right? We're going to read that together. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be like immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies, so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Let's finish it together. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So the Bible says that we're in a process of being built up. My job is to build you up. That's where it says this will continue. What's this? This process of building you up in your faith. The Bible also says that God has a standard in mind. Just like all fathers with children have a standard, God has a standard, and the standard is Jesus. Okay? And, and God says that this process of being built up is getting you to kind of come up to the standard of Christ. And when you come up to the standard of Christ, and you're growing, mature, there's some things that stop in your life, just like when you're looking for things to stop in your kids, right? Temper tantrums, you know, emotional flops on the ground, right? Self-control, you know, just like you would look at it in a normal kid. There's some things that stop, and then there's some things that start, that signal to a father that you are growing mature. And it doesn't have to relate just to you. As you notice in the last part of the passage, it's talking about how your maturity is connected to the health of people in God's family. And they might be right next to you. They might be in your second circle. They might be at your church. And so this process of maturity is super important. So there's a picture of maturity that God has for you. 
there's stuff that increases in your life, and there's stuff that should be decreasing in your life. And that's what we're going to look at next, how we please God with our personal maturity. And the first thing the passage talks about that goes away is no more stagnating. No more stagnating maturity. All right? You're not a neutral being. You're a free moral agent that's either growing more mature or growing less mature. And you see, in man world especially, it's super confusing and frustrating when a man has man-sized relationships, man-sized responsibility, and man-sized goal, but boy-sized character. Super frustrating. Like, a lot of women, I'm like, so how many kids do you have? She goes, well, I have three, well, four. I'm like, who's the fourth one? His name's Bud. I'm married to him. You know? See, it's frustrating to people. And look what the Bible says here in verse 14. Let's read that together, all right? We will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. All right? How many of you guys remember the night campaign, Like Mike? It even had a song, Like Mike, I want to be like Mike, right? Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player, perhaps of all time, all right? And there's this campaign, and it's boys in their driveways trying to imitate his moves. Like, they, they lower their hoops to, like, six feet, and then they get a small ball, and then they, like, run, and they jump, and they try to get into that Air Jordan position, and they throw it down, and they, 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 they do his little moves and stuff like that. Why? Because he is the best basketball player in the world. When you see the best, you want to imitate the that's right. When you see the best, you want to imitate the best. The best man who ever walked the planet was Jesus Christ. And that's why God has it in his mind. We will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard. That's why there's this process of maturity. What does it look like? All right? Well, it says it in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Let's read that together. Ready? We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so the, that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. That's the process. And you notice the first three words? We proclaim him. All right, then we get into this process of admonition, education, proclamation, and completion. All right? That was the Apostle Paul's actual strategy for winning the Gentile world. I'm going to proclaim Christ. All right? And then when someone comes into Christ, the process is a process of admonition. I'm going to advise you against what's good and what's bad and what's good and what's evil. Process of admonition, a process of education, a teaching every man with all wisdom. Why? What's the purpose? So we may present every man complete in Christ for this purpose. I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. That's what we're doing here, guys. We're in a process of spiritual maturity. We're, pro we're proclaiming Christ and being like Christ. Why? Because he's the best man who ever lived. And we're going to get into that process of becoming like him. And in this passage in Ephesians, spiritual maturity looks like, hey, stop stagnating. Inner stagnation is not God's plan. Inner transformation is God's plan. Amen? He wants to see you grow more mature, all right, on the inside, all right? So that's number one, what stops and what starts in the process of becoming mature, which delights God. The first thing is stop stagnating. Secondly, no more vacillating beliefs, all right? And I picked that word especially, vacillating, okay? 
after looking at the Bible and looking at this passage and seeing how it's described, has to do with wind, okay? So what machine vacillates and blows wind? A fan, right? You buy it, and it has that little thing in the back, and when you, when you hit it down, it, it, go, it goes from being fixed to starts vacillating. It starts going like this, and it, it, it turns every way, right? Look at what the passage says, all right? The process of, of maturity, we're going to be mature, we're going to measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What's it look like? All right? We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Okay, So, you know, sometimes it's Jesus, sometimes it's the Bible, sometimes it's Rush Limbaugh, sometimes it's, you know, what my friends say, sometimes it's what, you know, uh, a popular artist says, sometimes it's a cultural icon, sometimes it's, that's this right here. All right, you're not anchored. You're not anchored. You know what God wants to do with your vacillating beliefs? He wants to lift that thing up. And he wants you to stay fixed on Jesus. Okay? What's your reference point for your life? Is it Jesus? Is it the word of Jesus? Is it the word of God? That's what God wants. He doesn't want you vacillating in your beliefs. That's why when you have vacillating beliefs, right, you have poor performance under pressure, under temptation. Why? Because you have no convictions. You're like, oh, well, sometimes this conviction, sometimes not. Sometimes what the Bible says, sometimes not. Some of the times my feelings, sometimes my faith, right? Sometimes the world, sometimes the word, okay? Don't expect any spiritual maturity to come out of that. And, and the Bible says that when you're in a process of maturity, which delights God, all right, you're not going to get tossed around. Now, the opposite of being tossed around and blown about by by every wind of new teaching, is being anchored. When you're anchored, you're set. Question, are you anchored in God's word? This right here is the solid anchor. It's your reference point. In fact, as you come in and as you go out, and as you go into your life, this is to be your anchor for how you think, how you live, what you say, uh, what direction you're going to take. So then that begs the question, what is your relationship with God's word if I'm not going to get blown about by every wind of new teaching? Now, the Bible predicts a time when this is going to get really bad, especially with people who say they're Christians, where they're going to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they're not following the teaching of God's word. They don't have sound doctrine. All right, look at what it says um, here in Colossians. No. Uh, right here in 2 Timothy 1, 12 through 14, all right? Is that the passage? Hang on one sec. Yeah, that's it. All right, let's read it together. Ready? For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by faith and love that you have in Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. All right? Hold on. What's the opposite of holding on? Yeah, you let go. So we learn a pattern. It's Jesus. We learn the words of Jesus. That's a pattern. The words of Jesus and the pattern of Jesus forms our ways. We learn the ways of Jesus by looking at the pattern of Jesus and the words of Jesus. That forms our ways. We imitate his ways, right? 
instead of vacillating here and there. So that's the next thing that stops. The first thing that stops is you're not stagnating, you're transforming in your maturity. Secondly, you're anchoring yourself in your beliefs. Third, no more manipulation by men. I started talking about this just a second ago about about being manipulated. And uh, the Bible talks about that in this passage in verse 14. It says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Isn't that true? Where it's just like, oh man, dude, you deserve this. You, you know what? You work so hard. You, you deserve a little me time. Or, uh, you know, there's this, these rational lies that justify behaviors that are inconsistent with your faith. And so in this passage, what does maturity look like? You're not stagnating, you're transforming. You're not vacillating, you're anchored. And third, no more manipulation by men. You know, people find people, I know that I am tempted to do this and have done it, where you feel a certain way, you want to do a certain thing, and then you go find a group of people that back you up in doing the wrong thing. All right? That's what this passage is talking about. All right? We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Now, um, in 2 Timothy 4.3, uh, it talks about how men find friends who support their position, and it's not a good, a good thing to do. Let's read 2 Timothy 4.3. Ready? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Can I tell you something? Just by what I see and reading the culture, seeing what's happening in the church of Jesus Christ, that time is right now. It was true then. People took solid teaching and they perverted it to meet their own individual cultural lifestyle. All right? So because the, the Bible is calling them to a standard, people go, well, I like some of those standards, but then some of them, I'm not so sure. They go and they find cultural standards, and then they try to blend the two, all right? And the Bible says that's wanting to have your ears tickled. Just like, I really want to hear what you have to say in this area of my life, but I don't want you to, ha- I don't want to hear what you have to say in this area. And it's called compartmentalization, all right? It's when we compartmentalize parts of our lives away from God's influence and control, but we let them have other parts of control. And I've said this a million times, that the greatest parable for compartmentalization is in the sexual integrity area. Okay, so God has a lot to say about this, and God has a lot to say about that, and God has a lot to say about this, and love your neighbor as yourself, and we should help people, and all that. But when it comes to my sex life, I'm in charge of that. And then we go find people, whether it's Sexual expression, sexual identity, sexual practice. Then we go find people who do not have sound doctrine. And they they take the culture and they work the culture into God's word versus having God's word shape their culture or their lifestyle. One thing is called exegesis, all right? That's coming from the Bible out. We work, we start here, guys. We start here. We don't start out there and then get this to conform to that out in culture. We start with this, and then we conform our lives to this. That process is called eisegesis. 
You're reading into the scripture feelings and beliefs that are blowing out there in culture, and you try to get the Bible to form to that lifestyle. We don't do that. We do exegesis. We, we start with the Bible from the Bible out, right? And that's what this passage is talking about. The time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine. They'll take cultural beliefs and practices and try to blend it into God's word, all right? Then you don't have God's word at all. You've got religion. You've got man's best, okay? So three things stop. No more stagnating maturity. No more vacillating beliefs. No more manipulation by men. And when God sees that happening, he gets, he gets excited, all right? Now let's see what increases. Um, so that's the no more. What do we do more? Well, God wants to see more speaking truth. In this passage in verse 14, it says, instead of that, instead of stagnating, instead of vacillating, instead of listening to every wind of teaching, we're going to start speaking truth. Wow, is there ever a time in our culture where it needed men filled with God's spirit speaking truth? Because there's so many lies out there. So many lies. Look at what it says about the godly man and how he rules. Psalm 37, verses 30 and 31. Let's read it together. Ready? The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. They have made God's law their own so they will never slip from the path. That's a picture of maturity. That's a picture of maturity. All right? In the quest for consistency, which is a sign of maturity, all right, you got to possess God's promises, you have to communicate God's commands, and you have to teach truth. Guys, that's your calling in Christ. You got to possess God's promises, you got to communicate God's commands, and you need to teach God's truth, right? Now, you do that with two audiences. First is the guy in the mirror. You do it with yourself. You hear from God, and you go, man, that's a promise. I need to possess that. And you go, oh, that's a command. Man, I got I to gotta communicate that. I got to communicate God's commands. I got to communicate it to myself, tell myself, this is God's command. I need to do that. And then you need to communicate it to your fellow brothers in Christ and your children and whoever it is that you influence, all right? And then you need to teach God's truth. And you see the process. When you own it, you give it away. And when you give it away, you own it more, amen? Right? That's the process. So the Bible says that some things stop and some things start. And one of the things that God is looking for is for you to start speaking truth, all right? See, it's one thing to kind of keep it to yourself, and guys are, man, when it comes to the spiritual life, it's a lot of times they're just like, well, being, you know, my relationship with Jesus is personal, okay? Well, that's true. It is a personal relationship. But it's not just meant to stay inside of you. It's meant to come out of you. Je- Jesus spoke words of eternal life, right? And if Jesus lives in you, and you're a follower of Jesus, and you're an imitator of Christ, what are you going to do? You're going to speak words that are eternal. You're going to speak words that are true. You're going to start speaking truth, right, to yourself and to others. You know, it's, it's, it's horrible when people come to men for advice, the advice sometimes that men give. To their friends, to their family, to their coworkers, where's that advice coming from? I love this passage. They have made God's law their own, right? They, they are consistent. They know God's word. They possess it. They communicate it. They teach it. So the first thing that is on the increase, all right, is that you're speaking truth. Secondly, uh, the next thing that's on the increase is more living the truth. So it says, instead, we will speak truth in love. And then the passage goes on in verse 15. 
growing in every way, let's finish it together, more and more like Christ. Okay, so we're speaking truth, and now the next thing God wants to see is more living truth. People see your inner transformation, all right, and it turns into this outer presentation, and you're conforming to the image of Jesus. So they, they continue to see you grow more like Jesus. And it says here in the passage, very specific, growing in how many ways? In every way. What does every way mean? Every way. That goes against this campaign of compartmentalization. That is a lie from the pit. It's like, you know, the world, the flesh, and the devil just say, yeah, you can be a Christian, and you can, you know, you can live a lot of ways, be a Christian and follow Jesus, but that way over there, you don't have to do that. I mean, come on. So legalistic, you know? No, the Bible says that I'm supposed to grow in every way. So the question is, what way are you not growing and becoming more like Christ? And you want to know how you know? Just find that area of your life where you're rela- it fragments your relationships with God and people. Just, just assess your life and go, in my life, where, where am I, where's my relationship with God? Where's their tension? In my relationships with people, where is their tension? And there's your every way. And that, that will continue until you go to be with Jesus. We'll be in that growth process until we go to be with Jesus and we're perfected. Look at what Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, very important passage of scripture, very famous passage. All right, let's read it together. Jesus said to the people, who believed in him. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, okay? So it wasn't like, hey, you'll know truth and then you'll experience this freedom by osmosis. Go back to verse 31. It says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, okay? With your life, with your life. When you you actually, when you know the truth, truth only transforms you if you trust it in the open. And then that choice over time in God's direction equates to faithfulness. So I know truth. I trust it with my choices in real time and in real life. And so when God sees me knowing and, and, and seeking truth and then knowing and applying truth, and I know and apply truth over time, that is called faithfulness. And that's what God's calling us to, all right? That's maturity. You see that consistency and that maturity. In Titus 1.1, it says this. Let's read it together. Ready? I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives, all right? So this is a nice gathering. You might be joining us online. This is great. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're being taught the truth. Truth is being proclaimed, and we're, we're coming more familiar with it. We're getting intimate with it, but why? There's a connective word in the passage, um, and it's the word that, that shows them how to live godly lives. See, if we have revelation but no application out there in the real world, it's hallucination. If we get revelation and there's no application, out there in our real lives, where it translates into godliness before God and people. It's just hallucination, guys. What are we doing here? All right? God does not provide us revelation for consideration. 
God does not provide us revelation so we can sit around and have discussions. God provides revelation for application so we can transform and transform our world. So that's the next thing that grows. Lastly, after more speaking truth, more living truth, in this passage in Ephesians 4, it it says more influence in the body of Christ. More speaking truth, more living truth, and as you're speaking truth and living truth, you're going to get more influence in God's family. The Bible says. In verse 16, it says, as each part does its own special work, all right, as things stop and as things start in your life, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love, all right? Say this with me. My growth affects others' growth. Yeah, so in a family, someone can bring down the whole maturity of the family by modeling. Sometimes in some families, we say, be like your older brother. In other families, like, don't be like your older brother, all right? In my family, with five boys and two girls, it's like, don't be like your older brothers, all right? Well, we have an older brother in our family, and we're supposed to be like him. His name is King Jesus, all right? The Bible says that for whom he foreknew, that's you, he foreknew that you would, you would want to know him. God knew in advance that you would choose him one day. For whom he foreknew, those he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that's the plan. We're supposed to be like big brother Jesus in our family. And the Bible says that when we become like Jesus, the whole body sees modeling of becoming like Jesus. And the whole family grows. All right? But you got to do your own special work. All right? you got special work to do that's unique to you in your context. All right? Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. 20 and 21, it's about this connection. Ready? Let's read it together. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't, don't, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. See, this is a family thing. We're all connected. What you do affects me. What I do affects you. I could go out today and rob a bank and get thrown in jail. And then everybody would come to you and he's like, don't you go to that Bible study on Thursday morning? Like, oh, yeah. well, I used to. He's in jail now. You know what I mean? So you don't, you never, guys, how you live your life impacts me. How I live my life impacts you. Why? Because we're a body. We can't say, oh, I operate independently and I don't need these people. So when you're working on your spiritual maturity, that causes the whole body of Christ to rise in health and rise in maturity and rise in influence. So you got to work it. Work it for me, and I'll work it for you. And as we're working the process of maturity, man, the body of Christ is getting healthier and healthier, and, and healthy things grow, amen? And we're going to grow, and we're going to reach more people, and we're going to have even greater influence. Why? Because we're not stagnating, because we're not vacillating anymore. We're anchored in Christ. We're not being manipulated by every wind of, dro- of doctrine. We're not going and finding people who agree with us so that we can do what we want to do in this area and hang out with people who, who do that in that area of their lives or find Christians who love to compartmentalize in that way and then we join this compartmentalization club, okay? We're speaking truth. We're knowing truth. We're living truth. And here is what God wants to do. He wants to give us more influence in the body of Christ. And so you see, let's keep it simple. We want to live to please God, all right? Living to please God means seeing Jesus, all right? He lives in us. We're going we're gonna to become like Christ. Pleasing God means that spiritually we can grow, all right? That pleases God when we show effort in his direction and growing spiritually. 
living to please God involves spiritual maturity and ma- just a maturity process. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, the Apostle Paul said this, and we'll close. He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I reasoned like a child. I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. All right? That's, how, that's what God's telling us this morning. We need to grow up in every way. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. God, thank you that you're watching our lives. Every individual man in this room, you're watching his life. And you're tracking his maturity. And when we grow mature, when we become like Jesus, when we choose transformation, when we stop vacillating in our beliefs but really stand with both feet firmly on your word, when we stop listening to men and listen more to you, then we have the truth inside of us and it starts coming out of us. It starts coming out of us in words. We possess your promises. It starts coming out of us in counsel where we're communicating your priorities and commands. It comes out of us in terms of advice. We teach people truth because truth transforms people. We start living truth. And God, when you see that, when you see that we are growing more mature, you want to give us more influence. Lord, forgive us for getting out of your process. And then we wonder why we're not being given more influence It's because you want us mature and complete, lacking in nothing, so that when the responsibility or when the blessing comes, we can handle it, and we can give it back to you, and we can ask you to help us not take credit for things that you did. So Lord, I pray for every man here. I pray that he would grow in every way. And Lord, for those every ways, those little areas of our lives, maybe big areas, Lord, Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Give us courage. Help us risk living life your way in that way. In Jesus' name we pray and God's men said.